One of the largest challenges I think in the industry is really around the origin and how the farmers are, are managing the farms themselves, given the historically low prices. From a technology point of view, there's diff little different things that are occurring within the industry itself in regards to the supply chain. Um, blockchain is starting to, to get a little bit of leg to it. The consumer can see where they're purchasing the coffee from and feel good about it, but also the farmer can see where their coffee is going and make sure that they're getting the right value for the coffee as it lands into the consumer. The trend is, uh, is growing uh, in regards to the consumer, the coffee consumer who wants to understand a little bit more about what's happening at origin. The millennials or, or that age group between 24 and, and 30 36 are really keen on how their coffee is is being pre, uh, produced and then um, you know how the farmers are being taken care of okay we're here with Craig James today it's great to have you on the show um, we're very excited to have you on the future food cast and uh, exploring how your activities and your company's activities are helping to lead the way with the, the future of food and the trends that we're seeing in the food sector today. And I had a chance to talk to you a little bit earlier and understand you have quite an interesting path that brought you into this uh, space and your current position in a coffee company of all things from your background. But if you could give us a little bit of introduction of where you came from and how you got to where you are now, I think that would be really informative for our audience today. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. Thank you very much. And it's a great pleasure to be here. So uh, I look forward to um, what we can do with the food podcast and, and see where we can take it to so for others to learn. And, but um, for me, in regards to my background, uh, I actually started as a pastry chef. So graduate of the Culinary Institute of America up in Hyde Park, New York, uh, did pastries for about six years and decided to go back to school. And I got when I went back to school, I got picked up by Mobile Oil Corporation, and so spent 22 years in ExxonMobil, all on the downstream side of the business there, uh, really focusing on finished lubricants. Um, had a wonderful opportunity, somewhat dropped into my lap uh, through a, a mutual friend. I became familiar uh, with Berry House Coffee, and uh, after numerous discussions with the owners of the company, they decided that they wanted to bring me in to help bring structure to the organization and to also uh, help develop a brand and tell the, the legacy of the family itself. Yeah. And of course, I also had a chance to look at uh, the history of Berry House, and it seems very, very interesting. Um, also, I think it'd be curious for our viewers to know that this is almost a century old company and a little bit of the history and, you know, what were they looking at as bringing in a new CEO yourself um, in what is really a family held company? Yeah, um, so the company is 87 years old, uh, started by Max Goldstein back in 1934. Um, and then he handed it off to his son, uh, Herbert Goldstein, when Herbert came back from World War II. So he was part of Patton's Third Army um, over in the Europe Theater. And uh, when he finished his tour, he kind of picked up the coffee business again from his father, renamed the company after Barry, his firstborn son. Um, and then started really focusing on, on providing coffee to the New York City area. So we're a born and bred New York company, 100% um, family owned, three brothers, Barry, Paul and Ron Goldstein are the owners. Um, whole big focus throughout the years on the private label side of the business, but then they, you know, through discussions with them, um, really focused on wanting to develop their own brand and, you know, share the great quality coffees that they do for everybody else under their own name and get that out into the marketplace. Excellent. That's a great story. Of course, you know, over the last 20, 30 years with uh, all the big brands out there has been a lot of, uh, 
if you will, startups in the space. It's really uh, good to see a, a long-term company out there still being very, very successful. Good. Well, in your position as part of your job, of course, to be looking at industry trends and the technologies. And, and for your situation, what do you see as some of the most interesting technology and trends that you're dealing with today and that are shaping your business? Yeah, well, um, Chris, coffee has been around for about 500 years. And, uh, you know, the U.S. is one of the largest coffee markets. Uh, it's about an $80 billion industry. Uh, coffee in general is about a $200 billion industry around the globe. So uh, a lot of a lot of focus in coffee. It's been here for quite some time. The biggest thing that we're seeing and what we're really getting excited about is is a focus on quality coffee. So um, even though the majority of the of the market is still kind of commercial grade coffee, Folgers is is one of the market share leaders behind it. Um, there is this drive and focus on quality and specialty coffees, and so that fits right within our wheelhouse. Uh, if you think about the millennial generation and their desire to have quality coffee, really understand what they're putting in their bodies and also understanding from a sustainability standpoint where the coffee is being sourced from so that they feel good about, you know, the, the overall supply chain aspects of the coffee that they get. Hmm. That's an interesting point that I was wanting to bring up uh, in this discussion anyway. And since you've brought it up here, um, I'm curious, how do your consumers, um, in, when they're looking at your product, how do they evidence their interest in the quality? What are they looking for and, and how are you helping them to understand that? Well, a lot of it is in the cup profile itself. So when we're talking about the quality of the coffee, it's really in the cup profile and the flavor nuances that you get out of the coffee. Um, if you think about the wine industry and how terroir and, and uh, the varietal plays a big impact to the overall taste, it's very similar within the coffee industry as well. So the origins of where it comes from um, and the type of coffee, the Arabica versus a Robusta are the two primaries. It has a lot of, a lot of um, influence into the, the overall cup quality itself. Mm -hmm. and, and so if you get a coffee from, say, Ethiopia, a beautiful Yirga chef, nice, bright, lively, lemony, peppery, good flavors to it, versus a Brazil, which is much more heavier and earthy, a kind of, kind of medium body type coffee, um, lots of nuances there. Uh, what I always equate it to, like I said, in regards to the wine industry, where our industry is at, if you think about where wine was about 20 years ago, you would go into a restaurant, they would put a carafe of red or a carafe of white on the table. Mm -hmm. And now you go into that same restaurant and it's an encyclopedia of all the different varietals, all the different country origins of where you can get it from. You know, I, I don't think coffee will go to that extreme, but I do believe that there's a... Um, a lot of focus in regards to what the, the, the coffee can actually bring to the end consumer. So yeah. when, I, when I was with ExxonMobil for 22 years, I drank a lot of coffee, um, <laughs> mostly to survive all the meetings and all the PowerPoint presentations. But I really never knew what I was drinking and what I was putting in my body and really never focused on the taste as more focused on the functionality of it. Mm -hmm. And so since I've joined Berry House, um, I've really started to open up my eyes in regards to good quality coffees and mm -hmm. being able to sample coffees from around the world. You really start to pick up a lot of nuances. Mm -hmm. So going back to my culinary career that I had, you know, before the oil industry, um, really trying to tie a lot of focus into the culinary side of it and, and the nuances of the palate to, to coffee. It's, mm -hmm. Well, it's, uh, it's a really interesting uh, combination of experiences you have with being a chef and not just a chef, but a highly trained chef from a highly uh, reputable organization. 
um, combining that with your global experience in the in the uh, oil sector, which is really a supply chain business also at yes. the end of the day. I want to come back later in this discussion to the supply chain side because uh, your current business has supply chains that can be as complex as any in the world, especially as you're sourcing literally from around the world. But let's come back to that in a little bit. I wanted to also ask about, you know, there's obviously a lot of challenges in the world today. Um, from pandemics to all sorts of other things. But what do you see as the major challenges for your business today um, related to pandemics and or otherwise? Yeah, again, I think for us, aside from the, the pandemic, the um, supply chain issues, the resourcing issues, you know, lots of, lots of challenges being a medium-sized business uh, these days. Um, just trying to get resourcing to run the lines and, and good employees and um, has been a challenge. Uh, likewise, the supply chain, we're seeing lots of change within the industry um, from all the suppliers, regardless if it's plastics and resins, regardless if it's wood and the pallets, um, the film itself, filter paper, uh, much more length to the supply chains these days than uh, what we had at the beginning of the year. And then coffee itself. I mean, the coffee market has uh, has pretty much doubled within the last year. So mm. coffee was trading about a, a dollar five um, a year ago, and previous to that, it was even down into the ninety cent level. And now coffee is trading about two ten. Um, and so significant change in the industry of, of how do you ad ad adjust to that type of huge fluctuation within the market, pretty much uh, over a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. So for about Five years, the coffee industry was relatively stable around that dollar um, per pound price point. The challenge with the industry is that most of the farmers can't sustain a livelihood at that dollar level. Mm. Uh, they make around a dollar twenty, give or take, in order to just break even. Um, mm. Let alone, you know, bring money home to the family and sustain the family itself. So. Um, you know, one of the largest challenges, I think, in the industry is really around the origin and how the farmers are, are managing the farms themselves, given the historically low prices. Um, and then also their offspring, their you know, is there a desire to actually take over the farming practice versus mm -hmm. going into the cities and getting different or traditional jobs within the city itself? Yeah. Yeah, that supply chain keeps coming up again, and, and we'll yeah. go back to that. But you listed, you know, a number of challenges that you're facing. Um, and th actually that your company's facing. How do you see the company evolving and adapting to that? I would say, especially from a technology point of view. Well, from a technology point of view, um, you know, there's diff little different things that are occurring within the industry itself in regards to the supply chain. Um, blockchain is starting to, to get a little bit of leg to it. Uh, I believe IBM um, and Smuckers and one other organization kicked off a blockchain um, collaboration. And, and what that does is it really identifies the coffees and traces it back all the way to the origin. So both the consumer can see where they're purchasing the coffee from and feel good about it, but also the farmer can see where their coffee is going and make sure that they're getting the right value for the coffee as it lands into the consumer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've seen uh, also some of this activity from a number of organizations out there um, and, and really companies looking for technology solutions both to satisfy customers and, and give them more transparency to what's going on, but you know, just basic supply chain challenges that are increasing, it seems. Uh, you mentioned blockchain, and I'm, I'm curious, what, uh, if anything, has your company been looking into 
in terms of adapting your activities to blockchain and other technology around that? Yeah, great question. So um, in regards to blockchain, I've engaged in recent discussions uh, probably about a year and a half ago, right before uh, or right as things were, were getting a little hectic on the pandemic side um, with a, a couple of different folks in regards to blockchain as they were looking at the technology and seeing how it would um, fit within the coffee industry itself. For our coffees, we, 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 we use the large international traders for the majority of our coffee. And that allows us the ability to trace it all the way back to the co-op or to the farm itself. Mm -hmm. So from a traceability standpoint, the blockchain doesn't do a, do a lot for us um, at this point in time. It'll add some more nuances to it, which we could pass on to the consumer mm -hmm. um, and then the farmers themselves. Ideally, I believe the, the blockchain is supposed to take out the, uh, the middleman from the overall supply chain mm -hmm. aspects of it, really give more control to the farmer and to the consumer. Um, but I'm of the feeling that the, the middlemen, the international traders actually play a, a significant role in the industry. Uh, right. I know that's argue, arguable one way or the other, but um, they do provide a, a, a means of mitigating a lot of the risks in the supply chain for us as well, particularly stationed here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, is, you know, sourcing directly from some of the, the countries that we get coffee from. Yeah. Well, as with any new technology and new toys, um, sometimes uh, there is an over-enthusiasm to apply that to everything. Um, but certainly we've, uh, there have been some good opportunities and, and already some good experiences in the supply chain for food. And you mentioned a few companies out there that are involved with that. Um, and we also talked a little bit you know, on the technology side and what your consumers are looking for. And we've touched on sustainability and transparency. What kind of demand do you see, you know, we'll go back to this question a bit, what kind of demand do you see from consumers and on really understanding the sustainability and all the way back to the original growers, as you described, you know, these are smallholder farmers that sometimes are not well compensated for the very hard work they do, but are, you know, without them, you know, a lot of New Yorkers are going to be suffering on the coffee side. What has your company looked into how you can really support provide your customers with more information in this area or do they even want it what's your view on that yeah i think that the trend is uh, is growing uh in regards to the consumer the coffee consumer who wants to understand a little bit more about what's happening at origin um you know like i said you know the millennials or, or that age group between 24 and, and 36 are really keen on what their how their coffee is is being pre uh, produced and then, um, you know, how the farmers are being taken care of. So as a company, we, we've partnered with Fairtrade USA. And so for our branded product line and a good portion of our private label business, um, we do all fair trade and organic products. Um, and so what that does, the fair trade gives the ability for the farmers to have a standard of living. Like I said, when the sea price of coffee was down around that dollar um, level, it, it, it's unsustainable for the farmer to really um, put any attention to the farm aside from just harvesting the coffee and trying to get it to market. They'll mm -hmm. start to take shortcuts in regards to the fertilizer and, and the amount of, uh, of in infrastructure that they put into the farm itself. Mm -hmm. uh, the corners start to get cut. With Fairtrade um, USA, we actually pay on a price floor. And so that ensures that the farmer gets a, a livable standard 
which then focuses on ensuring that they fertilize their farms appropriately, that they put the proper care into the, the infrastructure and really get some good robust harvests out of it, mm-hmm. which have significant value to the marketplace. That tends to increase the overall level and quality of the coffee itself, um, which then to the end consumer, again, particularly that that kind of 24 to 36, they're really interested in the taste profiles and, and how they change uh, or how that, that coffee really gives them the pleasure in the experience itself. Interesting. So we're also, again, repeatedly touching on the topic of sustainability. And I think that's just it's because where we are in the world today, it's very, very interesting, no matter what uh, an individual's political position is on this. Um, but Barry Coffee seems to have taken an interest in social justice, um, environmental sustainability, uh, producer sustainability. H- how did that develop? What really pushed that uh, onto the agenda for Barry Coffee? Yeah, um, so about three and a half years ago when I joined the company, uh, we had a couple of little local programs of where we were working with Feeding Westchester and some of our, our more local uh, food banks and trying to be good community partners. When I came in, I really wanted to put a strong focus on ESG and, and make sure that we were not only good community partners in where we're, we live and work, but also at source as well. Um, our belief in regards to coffee is that you know, it's a fragile agricultural product. And if we don't mm-hmm. take care of it now, the, the future may not have coffee. Um, mm-hmm. So we want to make sure that the actions we take today are really beneficial toward the farms and the farmers and the industry in order to ensure that there's future supply of coffees. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've started to put together a number of different programs and, and really change the focus from a private label business to a branded business, which gives us the opportunity to really focus on the sustainability in the industry as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had the, the, the pleasure to, during one of our travels down to Costa Rica, uh, of meeting two amazing women-owned farmers. Um, and so we've created a collaboration with Katia University uh, out of Costa Rica. Um, they're an agricultural university focusing on all the different varietals of coffee and doing numerous research behind it. And so they've given us these um, varietal pure seedlings we purchased from them and we've planted into the, uh, the farms. So we have two women-owned farms. We've, we put about 5,000 plants in. Um, and now we kind of wait and see for, for three years to see how they grow. It's kind of like watching grass grow, if you will, uh, until we get the first harvest from them. But in the meantime, it gives the Cadia University uh, an opportunity of where they can work with the farmers directly. It gives our trading partners in country an ability to provide technical skills. And so the three really come together to take it from a theory into actual practice at the farm level. Mm-hmm. And then to close the overall loop, we committed to buy at least five years worth of the harvest itself just to de-risk it for the farmers. Um, so it's a, a wonderful program. We're still at the very infancy stages of it uh, as the plants just went in this year. Um, but we have a couple of years until we can get the coffees out of it. But really excited to see what we can get. Well, it's amazing to hear reaching all the way back to the not only the original growers of the coffee, but the universities and the experts in those regions. Um, that's uh, not something that uh, most companies have the opportunity to do. But I guess your scale makes that possible for, for your, your company. Yeah, we're, we're a good medium-sized company, but, um, you know, I like swinging for the fences. So uh, we're, we're trying to act like the, the majors in the industry and make sure that we have the right impact as well. Excellent. Excellent. You made a, another subtle comment earlier about changing tastes for consumers. And I wonder if we could explore that a little bit as part of what might be part of a mission for Berry Coffee to change 
and, and maybe you can describe this more because I'm um, maybe making a mess of it, but changing the taste for consumers. How do we change the taste for consumers in the coffee space? Yeah, I think it really boils down to education to begin with. Um, you know, like I said, kind of uh, tying back to my culinary arts world uh, when I was a chef, um, you know, how, how the coffee interacts with food, whether it's, it's sweet or on the savory side, if you get the right coffee paired with the right type of dessert, you can actually elevate the overall experience. And if you get the wrong coffee with the, a beautiful dessert, you can actually detract from the dessert. And so we're working closely with the CIA, Culinary Institute of America, where we're um, providing coffees for all the restaurants. Uh, so this is all their drip coffee. Um, we worked with their chefs and developed a, a nice CIA blend for them, uh, which they're utilizing within um, and part of their education program. Additionally, I go up to the school. It's only about an hour and a half from here. Uh, and I teach coffee courses uh, to students. I also teach sustainability course um, and some strategy courses as well. But I think it really all starts with education. And so what we're trying to do is reach out to the chefs in the industry at the, at the restaurant level and really start to educate them on how that coffee experience can be. Mm. If, you think, if you think about how it kind of is today, in a lot of establishments, you can have this amazing meal. You can have, you know, seven courses. The, uh, the staff, come, wait staff comes out. They tell you all about how the vegetables were grown, how the meat was taken care of, and what the chef did to really get the op optimal flavor from it. You can go through this whole experience, and then at the end of the meal, someone just puts a mug of coffee in front of you. No explanation. Mm -hmm. It's just coffee. And so mm -hmm. that's where we think there's a really good opportunity of, of elevating the experience as well. Keep that experience going through. Talk to the, talk to the customer in regards to here's the origin, here's the flavor profiles, this is what it pairs with. You can help to elevate that overall experience so that the last thing a, a customer sees or in a restaurant or experiences in a restaurant is positive versus just here's a cup of coffee. Right. Well, great approach there. And talking about just this overall experience, um, you know, a good part of it for people as well is the nutrition and health behind it. And uh, maybe, you know, at the basic end, the nutritional side of coffee, there's not a tremendous opportunity there, but there's a tremendous amount of uh, chemicals, et cetera, in coffee that are very healthy. And studies over the years have been positive and negative on coffee, but certainly the net result today is that um, in certain quantities, coffee is very helpful for an individual's health. How does that play into your business and how do you um, bring the health benefits of coffee into your business activities? Yeah, for our brand, I, I, you know, it really boils down to the organic coffees that we source, you know, making sure that the right fertilizers are used within the farms themselves and starting right, right from the seed itself mm. um, to make sure that the coffee is the best that it can be and, and that it's healthy coffee from the start. Um, as you said, lots of different studies throughout the years um, of some very positive, some very negative. It seems like the, the theme, as you said right now, is everything's very positive around coffee itself and mm -hmm. uh, lots of health benefits. Um, and so, you know, leveraging the organic side of it is really our, our great opportunity that we have in order to get out there and, and make sure we're giving customers a really good, clean, um, you know, great cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. I also know that, that quite a bit of companies have looked at functional and, and getting into functional coffees as well. And, and these are where coffees have additives added to them, whether they're vitamins or minerals or turmeric or some are made with mushrooms and all sorts of things. Um, 
so we've taken a look at some of that and uh, and seeing where we have opportunities for it. But um, you know, just a good, clean, organic coffee in itself is is nice and healthy. Yeah, and again, um, this all comes back to understanding where the product's coming from, right. um, and clearly you're doing a great job at that, going all the way down to the source, at least in Costa Rica, for example, and working with the growers and the scientists there. Um, and how do you see connecting these physical travel of yourself and others with this e-commerce and bringing the supply chain together to help everybody understand and be transparent in your supply chain? How does that e-commerce come into your business and really at the end of the day, making your customers happier and more satisfied? Well, I think it's availability to the information is the biggest thing on the e-commerce side, you know, being able to um, do your own research in regards to a product and understand where it's coming from and, and what goes into that product is a, is a big benefit. Um, for us to provide a platform for the consumer to do so, I think, is, is really our critical role behind it. And then we enhance it with our social media and, and our discussions to the consumer, you know, of the health benefits of, you know, how our supply chain is, of the producing practices to ensure that they have a good understanding of, you know, why organic coffee is, it tastes the way that it does and why it's a good healthy aspect for it. Um, the other thing that we do is we provide our fair trade organic coffees at, at value. So I've positioned myself beneath a lot of the other organic coffees out there because I want everyone to be able to elevate their coffee experience, mm -hmm. you know, to, to do so and, and provide good, um, good quality uh, coffees to, to our consumers at a good price point makes a lot of sense to us. So I think it's just a combination, you know, e-commerce from availability standpoint, the ability to go out and research and understand. And we put farm stories down on, on our websites and, mm -hmm. and try to really pair it back to where the origin is. Um, is really part of the, the key steps of how e-com plays a role in it because e-com's growing as we've seen particularly in the past 18 months yeah. uh, what was originally almost an afterthought channel for a lot of companies became one of the primary channels mm -hmm. um, our, our retail channel increased significantly and then our, our e-com increased while the food service and hospitality fell off during the pandemic right right and on the organic side, you know, this is something that I guess all of us have a lot of exposure to, especially while here in North America, but around the world. And, you know, I go into the store and I like to buy organic products, but at the end of the day, you're left scratching your head sometimes is like, well, what did I really buy? Because there is no transparency there, but even before you get to the consumer side, you as the executive leader, how do you get comfortable that, that your organic products meet your expectations for what organic should be? Again, I think, you know, this is where it comes into the role of the traders or trading partners that really help us out with that. We are USDA organic certified. Um, we work closely with our trading partners. We can, we can trace the coffees all the way back. The farms are certified organic. And so that's how we ensure that, you know, all along that supply chain, we've got the right mm -hmm. certifications in place and we have the right stream of product coming through. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Well, that is something that uh, I think we from our side are, are looking to explore and how do we help consumers or what organizations are really helping consumers to understand is it organic or what does organic mean and this is transparency and uh, companies like yours are really setting the you know leading the, the way they're creating the path for everybody to understand that and that's why you know one of the reasons we're excited to have you here today um, along with this fair trade has been 
also in a way hard to really pin down. Fortunately, there are good organizations out there. How did you vet organizations on the fair trade side to say, you know, these are the ones that we feel comfortable working with? Yeah, so when I first came here, um, we had a pretty significant private label customer that did a lot of their, their focus was on fair trade. And so a good part of our portfolio was fair trade at that time. Um, I've actually had great discussions with Paul Rice, met with him numerous times. He's come out to our facilities. Paul is the, the founder of Fair Trade USA. Mm -hmm. And so we've established a nice personal relationship with Fair Trade USA. And, uh, and they've been very transparent to us all along the way. So, you know, we feel and know that our funds are being used accordingly in order to really um, take care of the farmers themselves. So in just the past few years, for a mid-sized company like, uh, like us, you know, we've invested or through fair trade, we've been able to invest over a million dollars into the local farmers, really mm -hmm. helping with their infrastructure and, and their, uh, their farm practices. Mm -hmm. Well, as, as a leader in this space of social justice, fair trade, and, and sustainability, what would your advice be to smaller companies out there that maybe don't have the millions of dollars of resources and helping their customers to understand, you know, is their product really organic? What, what can they do to uh, help communicate with their customers? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, you know, that's one of the, the largest challenges for, for them. I think they just have to stay true to tone in regards to their communications and uh, as they ensure within their abilities that they're pulling in really good organic products that they have to communicate all the efforts that go back, go behind it. Um, certainly the certifications help, um, but at the end of the day, I, I think they've got to be very vocal in regards to how they're leveraging the organic products within the marketplace itself and how they're supplying it all the way through. Again, full traceability, I think, is, uh, is extremely important, particularly in the food industry. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, I think we've covered quite a lot in, in these uh, a brief 30 minutes. Are there any other items that you think would be productive to cover um, that you've been thinking about since our first discussions on this several weeks ago? Um, I mean, I think we've hit quite a bit, Chris. Um, I mean, the, the other bit that we're working on and, and really focused on is on uh, gender equity. So I've, uh, I've collaborating with the Partnership for Gender Equity out of Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. Lee Eason is the, is the founder of that company. Um, and their whole focus is really identifying, working with different producers throughout the entire supply chain, roasters like us, uh, trading partners, mm -hmm. uh, co-ops, and down to the farm level to ensure that there's a awareness driven about the gender equity issues within the industry. Mm -hmm. um, at origin, I, I believe in numbers are around 70% are women uh, in regards to, the, to working on the farms. Um, and only about 12 to 15% of those women actually have any decision-making power within the farms themselves. Mm. And so how do we draw light to this you know, um, issue in order to start to make change? Um, and, you, know, you can't really start to drive forward or make change unless you're not aware of what's going on. And so there's a gender equity index tool that we've been working with the Partnership for Gender Equity really to help the trading partners and, and producers and co-ops score themselves and how they're doing and how they're working with their women employees and the women farms mm -hmm. uh, and women workers. And so we're leveraging that through our connections in order to get and add our voice to um, to the, the social issue in order to drive awareness to it as well. 
Um, what that does is it'll allow the women to be to gain better education, to get good training, to have a, availability to funds from the banks and, and capital infusions, those type mm -hmm. of things. So, mm -hmm. um, and studies have found that if if women are involved in regards to the decision making processes, that the farms and the businesses tend to be a lot more profitable than if they weren't. Excellent. Well, this is an area. Fortunately, is getting a lot of uh, very positive attention these days. Um, again, as a leader in this space, simply by being proactive and going out um, and paying attention to this and supporting it, you know, what would your advice be to organizations that, again, maybe don't have the opportunity to go out and see what's happening in other places in the world where they're literally sourcing most, if not all, the raw materials for their products? How, how does somebody get involved with a trusted, legitimate organization that might be supporting gender equity for their raw materials? Yeah, I think a, a little bit of research behind it as well. Um, the, the one thing about the coffee community is it's really a community. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, coming from big oil, I knew all my competition, but I wasn't allowed to talk to a single one of them. Um, the coffee industry is not like that. You know, when I first joined and, and with very little to, to no background on coffee, a lot of folks from other companies and, and other parts of the industry really stepped forward to, to help educate me and help bring me on board. And so I was fortunate that I had some good mentors uh, coming into the industry who advised me of all the different issues and, and concerns. And that's where we wanted to have voice. So for the smaller folks, I would say, you know, take that first step and, uh, and start to, to raise your own voice behind uh, what's important for you. It, it has to come from the heart. You know, you can't just go ahead and, and put pictures on your website and and make a statement on your website and say, OK, I'm I'm done. It has to have impact. Yeah. And so, you know, we're not about scratching the surface. It's really about how do you get in there and you really make change occur. So for the smaller folks, I say, take that first step, start to have that voice, but find the passion inside because that's what's going to drive drive you forward. And then it's just education in regards to what's the right establishments um, or organizations that are focused on this and, and who has good voice behind it. Um, not to belabor, but my wife was a, a Air Force um, retired veteran and she, uh, she was on the, the um, government side of the business for quite a bit. I think as we know, there's a lot of different government agencies or sorry, a lot of different charities out there that mm -hmm. are focused on helping veterans. Some do it extremely well and are very, you know, positive and active about it. Others kind of use it for a whole different aspect. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's just education and, and really, you know, taking a look, talking to others within the community of coffee to really understand where, um, who are the right players to get with and mm -hmm. uh, to focus them. But to me, it's all about taking that first step and having that voice. Yeah, great advice. And we can certainly see in this case, it's from the heart, that's for sure. Um, Craig, I think this has been a great discussion. Um, I really appreciate your time. I can see for sure that the founders of Berry House Coffee um, have done well to expand their leadership and stepping outside of the, the family to bring in some excellent leadership with a, uh, your, your scope of experience is really such a special and unique fit for this company from you know, the, your expertise with food and your original, some of your original training to the global experience in the oil and oil and gas sector um, and bringing that to work with a, again, a global sourcing company that's delivering a lo local product. Uh, it's really a pleasure to see what you're doing. And thank you for being with us today. Well, thank you, Chris. It's been a great pleasure as well. I appreciate the opportunity.
Excellent. Well, we'll keep in touch and uh, you have a great day. Thank you. You as well. Thanks for listening to Future Foodcast. Future Foodcast is powered by Farm to Plate, the leading food blockchain platform. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date with the very latest innovations in the food industry. 